This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Prayer, you know, just in case we, we tend to think that, okay, God is some kind of, you know, genie in, genie in the bottle. You know, you rub it and all of a sudden I got a problem and God's going to solve it for me. And, you know, it may not remove the problem entirely. Um, but we know that when we do, do seek the Lord, what that does is it gives us grace and it gives us the, the, the strength to endure the trouble so that, so that it may accomplish God's will, not your will. How often do you pray? Do you only pray when you need something? That's how many people approach prayer. God is not a genie that will grant your every wish. As Pastor Eddie explains, seeking God will help you endure the struggles you encounter. If you continually seek the Lord, He may not remove the trouble altogether, but you will have the strength to push through so that you can accomplish God's will, not your own. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Prayer of Faith. James chapter 5, verse 13, James writes this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin... He will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. James gets to the point. He doesn't say farewell, God bless you. You know, he just gets to the point. This is what we need to do. And so for those of you who are taking notes, we're going to look at two things this morning, two things. In verses 13 and 18, uh, James is going to encourage us to pray. He's going to talk about the prayer of faith, and that's in verses 13 and 18. In in verses 19 and 20, restore wandering believers. That's in verses 19 and 20, excuse me. And so two things we're going to look at uh, this morning as we close and conclude our study of the book of James. And so here we're going to begin with the issue of prayer. And in the language, in the Greek language, it is a command. James commands us, the believer in Christ, the church of Christ, to pray. The words prayer, 
pray or prayed is mentioned seven times in the passage, seven times. And one of the weaknesses of the church is the lack of prayer, the lack of prayer. That's one of the things that we don't do that we're called to do. Jesus said, my house should be called the house of prayer. James, who is known in his days uh, as a man of prayer. And we know that by uh, the ancient historian by the name of Eusebius. Eusebius identifies James as a man of prayer. And he writes, quote, his knees, speaking of James, his knees grew hard like a camel's because of his constant worship of God, kneeling and asking forgiveness for the people. And thus his name was Camel Knees because he was a man of prayer. And so James was one who practiced what he preached. He was a man of prayer. And so he commands us to pray. And so in verses 13 to 18, he's, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's going to tell us to pray, but he's going to give us three specific things that we need to be praying for. There are many things that we should be praying for, but here James lists three. And so we're going to look at three of these things that he's going to uh, command us to pray. Number one, James commands us to pray when we are suffering, when we are suffering, and that's in verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And so if you are suffering, be it physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, James says, pray. If we, we know someone who else, someone else is suffering, pray for them. But he's saying, if anyone among you praying, so that could also apply to the person that's suffering. But we used to be praying for one another when they're suffering. And we all go through times of trouble, trials and tribulation. However, when we do at times, we have a tendency to go to others first. We go to our friends, family members, right? Um, here, James tells us to pray. We need to go to God first. And, and that's usually the tendency. That, hey, oh, I have an issue. Oh, I can't deal with this. Instead of getting on our knees and bring it before the Lord, we have a habit of going to others first. And while, you know, others may encourage you, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good that when we can't deal with things, we need help. We need others probably to pray with us and for us. And we seek wisdom and, and, and discernment in certain issues. Uh, but we need to go to the Lord first. And they may encourage you, they may help you, pray for you, but only one has the power to deliver you out of the suffering. And that is the Lord. That is God. And thus it is important for us to pray. We need to pray, seek the Lord. And the psalmist writes, writes this in Psalms 50, verse 15. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. The Lord said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Uh, so we need to go to the Lord first. And a prayer, you know, just in case we, we tend to think that, okay, God is some kind of, you know, genie in, genie in the bottle. You know, you rub it and all of a sudden I got a problem and God's going to solve it for me. And, you know, it may not remove the problem entirely. Um, but we know that when we go, do seek the Lord, what that does is it gives us grace and it gives us the, the, the strength to endure the trouble so that, so that, it may accomplish God's will, not your will, God's will. Because in the midst of that trial and tribulation, God may be doing something in your life. And it's, it's, it's good that we go to him first to understand, Lord, what are you going to show me in this? This is the problem. This is what I'm suffering. This is what I'm dealing with. Bring it to the Lord. 
And you know, many times I've, well, I, just like everyone else, you know, I would go to others first. But, you know, I've learned to go to the Lord first. Because I know that God oversees everything in my life when I surrender my life to him. I got into the habit of talking to the Lord. And when trouble comes, I seek the Lord and ask the Lord, what is, what are you going to show me in this? <laughs> I do ask how long it's going to take. <laughs> but I ask for God's strength for me to be patient in the midst of suffering. And then you, you realize that when you bring it to God's, you, you bring it before the Lord and you pray, you see God had a plan from the very beginning. And you, you go back and you look and you say, wow, I did not know that is ex- what you're trying to show me. I didn't know, Lord, that this, is, this was part of your will. And so it's good to allow God to deal with it. And, and quite often we always want to be, uh, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to get out of this. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. Who loves to suffer? Nobody. But we need to understand that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. God is there. He knows even before we go before him in prayer. He knows. But understand, God is always doing the work in your life and in the lives of those around you. Now, I like what John writes, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. He writes this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that is in Christ, the Messiah, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ask anything. And, you know, a lot of prosperity preachers say, ask anything, and it's yours. No, according to his will. According to his will. Health, wealth, whatever it is, according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we, that we have asked of him, praying, seeking the Lord. Lord, your will be done, not mine. That's what Jesus said before he died for the sins of the world. He said, Father, is there any other way? Not my will, but your will be done. So verse 13, if anyone among you suffering, let him pray. And at the end of verse 13, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And so just as there is a lack of prayer in the church, the reality is there is a lack of praise in the church. Lack of worship sometimes becomes routine. Sometimes the only time we worship is when we're at church. Worship is a lifestyle. It's something that we ought to do every day in the morning. I love to hear the birds in the morning. Not Judy, because she can't sleep. (laughs) They wake up really early. (laughs) I love to hear it. I wonder what their songs are all about. But they worship God every morning. Every morning. And that should be the same heart. So the church lacks in prayer, but also lacks in worship. And so James gives the exhortation to anyone, anyone who is cheerful, joyful, let them sing psalms to the Lord. If you're joyful, sing. Sing to the Lord. Worship God. And in the same way that we have a tendency to go to others when we have issues, usually when we get good news, when we're cheerful, oh, I can't wait to call so-and-so and tell her the good news or him. <laughs> we have a tendency to go to others. Go to the Lord first. Go to the Lord. Whether you're suffering, whether you're cheerful, go to the Lord first. Now, The same can be true in the reverse now. 
in the reverse. Those that are suffering, he says to pray. Those that are cheerful, he said to sing, you know, sing psalms. So those who are suffering, you know, he also should be singing. Suffer and singing, those that are cheerful should be praying. So it, it could be the same in reverse. Whether you're suffering, seek the Lord first. Sing hymns. Whether you're cheerful, sing hymn and pray to the Lord. So if either way you can put it, we need to be seeking the Lord first and praising him. The next thing James tells us to pray for, for those who are sick. Those who are sick. That's in verses 14 and 15. I'm going to give you a warning ahead of time. It may not be the type of sick that you probably have studied in the past. Okay? So let's read this. It says, if anyone among you are sick, sick. Now, I have to tell you that, you know, usually I, I plan ahead throughout the week and I read over and over again the things that I'm going to teach, whether it be Wednesday, the book of Exodus, or uh, Sunday for, for the book of James. I always study, listen to commentaries while I'm doing something, just get an understanding, reading it over and over again. But yesterday, just when I got to it, because I thought, hey, you know, I know verses 14 and 15. We all know that verse. You say you go to the elders, they'll anoint you with oil, they'll pray for you. But I spend half a day on just these two verses, verses 14 and 15. And um, I assumed that I already knew and understood it, but after I have looked at the text closely over and over again, after reading it over and over again, looking at some of the Greek words, um, keeping it in context, looking and reading the many, many commentaries that I have and scholars to see what their views and their interpretation of these two verses, um, I find that scholars and commentators are divided as to the view of verses 14 and 15 for those who are sick. And so this morning, I'm going to give you both views. View number one, is the sick that James referring to here in verses 14 and 15, is it a physical sickness? Or view number two, is it a spiritual sickness? Those that are sick spiritually. Now, before I give you the two views... I'm going to give you a lot of Greek words this morning because I want you to understand the text. It wasn't written in English, okay? I want you to understand the text. And I want to be truthful in teaching the text. And you know me, I want to be exactly as close as I can uh, interpreting the text that we study. Now, I have to give you four Greek words, all four of them, we use in the English language as sick. Four. I'm going to give you four Greek words that are in the sick, okay? So today you're going to, and keep, make sure you're paying attention because they're going to be exam at the end. Okay, the Greek word, the first Greek word for sick is the Greek word kakos, and it means to be or to become ill. That's one Greek word, to be or to become ill. The second Greek word is nasos, and that is the Greek word that means disease or sickness, the third Greek word is komno, and it means to grow weary, to be weary, okay? So it's not really necessarily pointing to a physical sickness, 
but rather uh, something, maybe something that one is affected emotionally or spiritually, someone who's really weary. And now the fourth sick word here uh, is the word athaneo, athaneo. It means to be weak, feeble, or to be without strength, or powerless, okay? Which also, it's used many times in the New Testament as either physical and also spiritual. Now, the word that we're looking at in our text this morning is the last one I just gave you, athenaeus, meaning to be weak, feeble, or to be without strength, powerless. And so the word is used many times, again, whether it's physical or spiritual. For example... We, in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Paul writes this. He writes, receive one who is weak in the faith. That word weak is the same word we're reading here in verse 14 that is used. Sick is the same Greek word, athenaeus. So is used in the text as weak, but is also used as sick. And so you can see why scholars are divided. I'm talking about good scholars. Scholars that I've been reading their commentaries for a long time. Two different. I say, oh, I know I can trust this commentator because he's always giving me, you know, the background, the Greek text and everything. And, and this one, too. And guess what? There's two that I use a lot and they have different views. They don't have the same view. One is of the physical. One is of the spiritual. But I want to stay true to the text. I'm not going to teach you something and be dogmatic about it. I want to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to the word. And I want to give it to you the way I have spent a half a day studying and give you all the information that I have. And we're going to continue to look at this as we study. Let's, let's look at verses 14 and 15 a little bit more closely. Look at verse 14. If anyone's among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. So if you're sick at this point, we can either look at both views, whether it's physical or spiritual, you call the church. It says, it says, let him call for the elders, plural. Okay, so if you're sick, if you're weary or getting to the point where spiritually you're weak, that you might walk away, call the elders. Or if you're sick, call the elders. You are to call the elders, not the elders call you. In the same way, if you're sick, do you wait for the doctor to call you? How would he know you're sick? If you need an ambulance, right? You're going to say, well, I'm waiting for the ambulance. You know, I'm about to die. Did you call the ambulance? No, but they should check up on me, right? So in the same way, you know, you're to call as you have the responsibility, whether it be physical or, 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 or spiritual, you're to call. 911, you call the elders Elders speaking about not just elders in age, but elders, a leadership position, and it's plural, elders, not just one. And we have a practice here that when we pray for someone who's sick, I always tend to, or even John, if he's going to pray for you, he'll have someone else join in the prayer uh, because God is still in the business of healing people physically. And if I, let's say if John does it, you know, it's someone, I got this real sickness. And then you realize I've been healed. John has the power, you know, not only do I like his new glasses, but he's a, he's a, he's anointed man. 
Forget about Pastor Eddie. <laughs> I'm going to Pastor John. You say go to Pastor John. So you see, the man would get the glory, but notice the plural, and there's a lot of wisdom in that, and that's why we do that so no one gets the glory but God. And we do believe that God is still in the business of, of healing those who are sick. So you go and you call for the elders, again, be it, we, we're still in the two views here, and that could apply for either one, and it's going to probably change as we get towards the end of verse 15, but you do call the elders, and they're there to minister to you. We want to know. We can't assume. Oh, you didn't know. You know how many times we say, oh, you didn't know? I was going, no, I did not. I don't know how many people we have. We have close to almost 200 people. Like, okay, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I should have known. Yeah, some divine calling came to me. Hey, call this person. Sometimes I do. Sometimes the right time. I haven't seen somebody. But sometimes somebody don't, some people don't like to be in contact. You know what I mean? So it's like whether we do or whether we don't, what's going on? But we need to know. And we want to make sure that you're doing well. And that's what, a, that's what the church is all about. So let's read verse 14 again. If anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the anointing here is used in, 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 as a general term. Uh, it's anointing of any kind. Throughout the, you know, in the ancient time, during this time when um, James wrote this letter, uh, the anointing could either be a rubbing of oil, or uh, they use oil for refreshment, you know, to refresh their bodies after they probably bathe themselves or whatever. And then you have the ceremonial uh, anointing that we find in the Old Testament. Uh, but this term here is it's a general term. For example, when Jesus was sitting down and the woman poured, you know, fragrance, uh, uh, you know, oil on his feet. You remember and that you could find that in Luke chapter seven. Also in, in Luke chapter seven, there's a point of oil over the guests when they come from long travel to feel refreshed. They put some oil in and it feels good. You know, it smells good. So that's that type of anointing with oil. And then is also for fasting. There's also an anointing for the priests. So it's used in so many ways. Uh, but here uh, we can see that it's used general, whether and, and it could be literal or it could be metaphorically. It could be, you know, hey, like when we do, when someone is sick, we'll use the oil and we just use it because it's not really the oil. It's really the Lord. And that's the important thing. It's not the power of the elders, nor the powers in the oil. And we make that clear when we do pray for people. So, oh, I need that oil. You, can I have some of that oil to go home? You know? Do you have to be prescribed for that oil? Do, do you need a prescription from the Holy Spirit to use that? Or can anybody use it over-the-counter kind of deal? No, there is no power in the oil. Uh, you know, because here, the oil here is referring to olive oil. And this oil always is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so, be that as it may, um, regardless of the view, whether you are using the oil, um, the reality is the power is not in the oil and the elder. The power is in the name. That's what it says at the end of verse 14, in the name of the Lord. The Word of God is a breath of fresh air, a crutch to lean on when you're too weak to stand, and much, much more. Here on Running the Race, you'll hear teaching after teaching by Pastor Eddie that inspires and challenges your walk with Jesus. If you haven't heard that much about Jesus, make sure to contact us at Calvary Chapel of Milford via runningtheraceradio.com and we'll explain the message of salvation to you. Come be a part of the family of God and experience all that He has for you. 
I promise it will be beyond your wildest dreams. That website you want to go to now is runningtheraceradio.com. Just in case you missed it, that was runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Running the Race is a radio ministry coming to you straight from Calvary Chapel of Milford, where we desire to be changed to look like Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. To learn more about us, go to our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. We're grateful you spend part of your day with us and pray you've been blessed by this broadcast of Running the Race.